the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash the like. Come and join us in the chat. Shout out to Andrew. Jumped in the chat at 8.42 a.m. Stream went live. He had thoughts on coaches under pressure, and he wanted to go ahead and get them in. Andrew, we appreciate you getting the conversation started early. It is Coach Week. Happy Coach Week to you and yours. Today, we will be looking at some coaches that are under unique amount of pressure heading into the 2023 season. On Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we will be breaking down the CBS Sports Coach Rankings. We filled out ballots. We turned them in. They came in from all over, and there is an official CBS Sports Coach Ranking that will be unveiled 1 through 69, all the Power 5 coaches. Uh, first, you will get 26 through 69 on Tuesday, 1 through 25 on Wednesday. So our Wednesday show in coordination with the unveiling of the official CBS Sports Coach Rankings. These are updated every single May. We get to see who's rising, who's falling. Tom Fernelli's name is on the author line. So remember the great, great annual tradition of everyone thinking that these are Tom's rankings. Here is where he will get to defend himself. Tom, are the rankings done? Uh, yeah, I wrote both of the posts over the weekend. I know all the rankings. Nobody else does. And I shared a lot of my thoughts about what I think of my fellow voters in the story. So those will be on Tuesday and Wednesday. Keep There's your some surprises eye. in there. <laughs> Keep your eye on that. We will be breaking all those down. And again, we've got our ballots to be able to do some comparison and uh, and let you know what's going on. Uh, speaking of the, the week that we have, it's not just Coach Week. It's also the beginning of the Spring Meetings Tour. So we've got the ACC down in Amelia Island. They are gathering together. And this is the first time that we're going to really be able to get all these decision makers together with not necessarily – um, the urgency of any kind of deadline, because my understanding is we will not get any announcements, but boy, we got a lot to talk about. And the key word is revenue. Florida State, we remember that they came out. They were doing their saber rattling. Clemson came out doing their saber ra rattling. Danny, what's your sense on um, what we should expect coming out of the ACC spring meetings? More saber rattling for sure. Like get them going, like come out like Darth Vader out there. And I do think, again, it's something Mike Alford, he already alluded to it. The athletic director of Florida State already said going in, it's going to be a priority and a 
conversation that he wants to get started. And I think it's crucial to the long-term viability of Florida State Clemson, but also to the ACC in general. It's something we've talked about on here a lot. But as you mentioned, a lot of it's been through the media before, and now you'll get a lot more voices at the table. Uh, a lot more people can, you know, push back. They could get on board, you know, like, so I think it'll be good because I think you'll find out kind of where people stand with this whole idea. I agree with Danny. I, I think it's just saber rattling, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't expect other teams in the league to go along with the idea of revenue sharing. They're not idiots. They're like, yeah, FSU, you're going to leave as soon as you get the chance anyway. I, I think it's more to get the conversation going and maybe long-term destabilize the league, right, to, to make it easier to leave before uh, the end of the grant of rights. Wait, what's so you, you think that, like, at this meeting, this, the hope is to cause some trouble, to go in there and start getting everybody upset and, and make yeah. things a little bit uncertain? Mm-hmm. The Darth, you I, mentioned Darth Vader, Danny. The Imperial March is the name of the song that they play when he comes in. It's, it's going to be more of a funeral march. As I've said, the ACC is dead. It's just, it's dead in the water. Yeah, totally. And this is just another step towards all of that. Like Bud's saying, this is Florida State and Clemson are going to leave eventually. The, the, the conference is going to dissolve. You have like five G5 level teams in there that eventually the other eight teams will, will say, like, yeah, we're going to. Like, worst case, long term, I, I think you have eight teams decide to break away and do their own thing, cut, cut the other six out. Tom and Bud wearing black for the ACC's funeral here on a Monday. Yuck. No, sir. There's just too much dead weight in this league. For football. That's the only sport that matters for revenue. I mean, basketball a tiny bit, but yeah. I know. I mean, nobody nobody forced Florida State to join a basketball league. Yeah, I mean, that's... 30 years ago. (laughs) Florida State, in terms of the conversations, uh, especially at the university president level, I mean, they're, they're not the newest of the blood, but they're not the oldest of the blood either. You know, this is a is a sort of interesting. What was it? Florida State had an SEC invitation, turned it down, went to the ACC, and that the way it went back in like 1990. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting, uh, Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, he's a big fan of the show. Um, he has a piece and it dropped like Monday morning, and it was a great like. Here's setting the table for what we're going to be talking about over the next 30 days because the next 30 days is the window where, like for example, if you want to use a deadline. If San Diego State is going to go to the Pac-12 or if San Diego State is going to go to the Big 12, then they need to be able to make that move if they're going to be there for 2024 by July 1 in order to get the lowest amount of exit fee possible at this time. So there's a lot of belief that whether it's the Pac-12 deal or whether it's any kind of expansion, that we're going to see it in the next little part. There was a section on the ACC and Ross singled out not just two Florida State or Clemson, you know, not just even four. A lot of people quickly go to Miami and North Carolina, but that there is a group of seven. You you mentioned eight, bud. That there is a group of seven right now that are all um, very much pushing for the unequal revenue distribution. That they're pushing for something that is more merit based, whatever that may be, whether it's like television ratings or success. So. Is seven teams being on one side, or seven schools being on one side, is that enough to? truly destabilize the league and be able to take hold and try and get what you want? I think the boiling point is eight. Because if eight schools leave or just say like, like hey, it, I, I think there's a misconception. It's like eight schools have to have a place to go. In theory, eight schools could be like, hey, we're all going to form our own league. Peace to the other six that don't contribute much. Don't like nobody cares to watch their games that they drag down ratings and we're paying an equal share to. So, if you could find a dance partner for the seven and get to eight, maybe you have leverage to get people to vote for some sort of unequal revenue sharing as a very temporary uh, measure, right? But that eight is the is the crucial number there. So who are those eight? You want to guess? No, or the, do you want to guess the seven? Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Miami, UNC, Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, I think NC State's in that. No, NC State, Virginia Tech, possibly. So that's, that's six. Pitt, seven. I don't know where Pitt would be. Pitt's a question mark for me. Really? Is Virginia going to jump on board? No. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right. What if you get seven, and then you go to Notre Dame to be the eighth? 
to break off and start this new league. Because mm-hmm. that was another thing in Ross's piece is that you know of the options there is that that is a nuclear button. It's like we are going we're going to get eight schools. We're going to go form our own league, and that may be the way that you fight the grant of rights. Yeah. And that is bananas to consider. Um, just from my own like ACC colored opinion. What about you? Would need to do some some non conference scheduling, obviously, to fill that out because you you don't have seven conference games a year. But like, I think college out of conference. I, I think the fans of all those teams would, would absolutely love that though, because you like they don't care about half these games anyway. They don't they don't like these teams. What about well, Louisville? I think Louisville yeah. is, is, is Louisville would is be in. That's a good in call. That. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's one, two, three. That's eight. If we if we include the ones we're going, NC State, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Louisville. Like Wake, Wake QSBC are, are clear no's. Right. Right. Um, we were del- we were rele- relegating teams the other day. They're like, I think they're good Ivy League options. Like, so totally we talked agree. a little bit about that, but they just feel like they're more about the academics, which is a good thing. Duke, throw a Duke in there too. What what do you think needs like BC, Syracuse, Wake? What would they have to do to keep all this from crumbling? Be willing to give up less money. But the I I think that the estimations like unequal. It, it, what if they what if they agreed to spend more money on football? Then would they still be able to get a full share? Because like if if part of the problem is like BC, let's be I mean to be blunt, does not give a damn to the same level that Florida State does about football. But they are happy to take the checks and they're going to spend commensurate with what their expectations are and what they need. What if instead of cutting BC share, BC agreed to spend a greater portion of it on football to upgrade the program? They've already work. done that somewhat. Like the, that, the schools are definitely spending more on football. I, I know um, Swafford was was getting into them about that some. Yeah, I think that seems like a way you win the press conference in the news cycle. That you you know Jim Phillips comes out and is like, and you know, and we've gotten like a real commitment, some word that doesn't have a number associated with it, and no way to like actually have any yeah. accountability. It was like we've gotten a real commitment from everybody that we're going to invest. But like in this era doesn't commit like because they have nice facilities like what are you going to do build an indoor practice like it's about players and about what are you willing to do to get better as a football program and i'm thinking nil like above and beyond and what sort of transfers and you know academics and recruiting what are you willing to do to break into that gap you know, like, what do you do? Like, are you really well, you let dumb to kids in to play football? Basically, right. exactly. <laughs> all of it, like all of what it takes to be considered a top 50 program. You know, and I'm not even asking to be a top 15, top 25. It's unrealistic for a lot of these programs. But what do you, what does it take so that you're not a bottom tier power five school? Because I'm with that, you. The unequal revenue distribution is not going to cut it. You have to come up with something else. See, I worry about the uneven uneven revenue distribution because those schools are going to struggle even more. Mm -hmm. And then, like, when we're talking about competitive, like, how do you choose the 12 teams for the new playoff? Is it just the ACC champion because the schedule is so weak? And you're like, that to me is a concern if you're Clemson and Florida State because then if you're better, there might be a chance you could both get into the 12 team playoff. But if we've already seen this happen, Already with, with Clemson and Dabo getting frustrated, man, I, I can lose one game and I'm out of a four team. That's only going to continue. So that that's why I do think it's just a patch. It's just a bandaid, even the under, and it keeps people intact. Because yeah, I I think you're onto something there. Because I think honestly, the real problem is the TV deal. It's not the amount of money that BC is putting in. It's not whether the fans care. Because, but as you've said a million times, like for a lot of programs and some of these bigger conferences. Like the money is to take losses. Somebody is in these leagues to get their ass kicked every year to get some losses and send everybody to bowl games. That's the purpose BC can serve. But if the ACC was getting the same kind of contract that the Big Ten was getting or the SEC was getting, nobody would care about the ratings on those games, particularly or whether the, the school is investing enough money in because it'd be like, cool, just keep going three and nine and helping us get all this money and go to the playoff. So I think that's the one thing that no matter what you do, unless you get a new TV deal, the ACC is not going to solve any of its problems. I agree, although it is mitigated if you did break off into eight. Most likely. Like everybody would make significantly more 
it kicks the can down the road in terms of the timeline of desperation that you would have if you're Clemson or Florida State or or, or North Carolina, right? Up, oh, I know FSU AD Mike Alford's been out there saying like we can't have a, a sixty million dollar revenue disparity in perpetuity. That that's going to add up fast. If you did break off into eight, you wouldn't have to pay out the six schools that nobody wants to watch. The per school, you know, like the per school money is going to be a lot bigger. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's it's kind of a mitigation. Did you see that what he pointed out? Like UCF going to the Big 12, their media rights contract, the Big 12s, is up in 2031. And he pointed out that because the ACC is until 2036, that you could see UCF with a better media rights deal than Florida State. Like if this thing just ran its course. I would be shocked if that ever actually happened. But right, in theory, me too. He's yeah. just pointing it out yeah. as a point of this can't happen. Like this is ridiculous. And he po- he did bring out Miami too. He's like UCF could have a better revenue distribution than we could if this thing runs at course. And then you so then you'd be looking up at Florida and UCF and you're on the bottom tier, you know, programs that have more national championships than both of those. That'd be a tough pill to swallow. And that's why it won't happen. I mean, they're going to have a real issue in this room, by the way, if, if they try to go with like a, like an equitable distribution because, I mean, you have some of these schools that are, you know, 12, 15x the eyeballs, right, if, if you control for, for who's playing. And, like, nobody's ever going to go for that. So even if they do agree to, to unequal revenue sharing, people are going to be slighted. Like, like we're not getting our, our, our true value. That This is still charity, blah, 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 blah. So it, I don't think it's a long-term marriage that can work. There's too much resentment. By 2026, uh, there's going to be a, a gap in the ACC per school payout that is probably about 30 million less than what you're going to be seeing from the Big Ten and, and the uh, SEC. And a unequal revenue distribution model might only put like five to ten more mi- million more right. into Florida State or Clemson. So even if you do that, goes back to the band aid theory, like how much are you actually fixing it because you're still operating at a deficit that's only going to continue to grow over time. Again, my sense is we ain't gonna have any like news here, but Agreed. boy, there's some there's some moving and shaking uh, going on behind the doors in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Coming up on the other side, it is Coach Week, and we're going to get this thing started by looking at the coaches that are under pressure heading into 2023. Hot seat, yes, but also just who needs to deliver in order to change what's going on around that program and that employment. Next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast as Coach Week rolls on, and we focus on some of those coaches that are under uh, the most scrutiny heading into 2023. Uh, Bud, you've got some names in the document that you've sorted by severity. I know we've got some other names out there as well. Do you want to go with the hottest of the hot seats, I guess you could say, the most pressure-filled first, and then we can kind of uh, unwind from there? Yeah, so I I broke this down, really kept it mostly to P5. There's a couple G5s throughout the list. Like I had three categories. Pressure, obvious, and they could lose their job this year if things go bad enough. Next category, which we'll get to, pressure, to win, which is like to establish good recruiting or to maintain good recruiting, because obviously if you back-to-back bad years on the field may impact your recruiting, or to avoid like a scorching hot seat in 2024. And then the final category should be under pressure if the school actually cares about football, but it's not clear that they do. And that's kind of a smaller category. So for the opening one, I'll, I'll throw some names out there. Let's figure out who we want to talk about. 
Uh, Neil Brown, West Virginia. They don't recruit well. They went to the Big 12 to you know, get a big check. They get the big check. They didn't get stuck in the Big East, but it's just it doesn't seem to be working there. Their win total is four and a half. They'd have to beat that by one and a half just to get back to a bowl. And they have a new AD uh, who I'm guessing is kind of surveying the landscape there. I'd be, I mean, like that, that one seems kind of obvious to me. Is that the yeah, most I mean, obvious at the power five level? Like when you're looking across the landscape and you're trying to fi- figure out somebody who needs to pull a rabbit out of a hat in order to be back for the 2024 season, would that be the name that comes to mind? I, it's probably yeah. pretty close if it's not right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been there now. He's, he's had four seasons. Obviously one of them was the COVID year, but that was also his best year. Like they went six and four in 2020 and they went four and four in the big 12. And those are their best records in both in overall and conference the entire time. They've kind of taken us. They took a slight step back last year, going to five and seven after at least getting to bowls the prior two years, they're only three and six in the conference. And honestly, there was a really good shot. He was going to get fired last year it's just like bud said new ad came in probably didn't want to just fire a coach right away and go right into a coaching search wanted to you know give him a year see what happens figure it out but i think that unless west virginia has like an unexpected kind of eight and four kind of season i feel very comfortable in the idea that this will be neil brown's final year if he even completes the season is there enough there for him to win well, that's what I was going to say. Like, what's a reasonable expectation? Well, I, and not even, guys. you know, at West Virginia. Yeah, they're they're the second worst program, in, third worst program in the league, I think. No, I, I guess not Not with the new additions. Excuse me. A bottom yeah. third program in the league for sure. But, I mean, can you confidently say that this year West Virginia is going to be better than UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, or Houston? I can't confidently say with a guarantee that West Virginia is going to finish above all four of them or even three well, of them or two or of even them. Kansas. Yeah. So yeah. Kansas I, mean, I think that's the very, I think that's all we really need to say about Neil Brown's status at West Virginia right now is that it's like those four schools are joining the league and we have more confidence in them winning games right now than we do the Mountaineers. Totally. I, I think there's a kind of a, a, a two sided conversation here. One, Neil Brown is not meeting even the minimum level expectations that you should have. And two, we don't really know what West Virginia's expectations are or or should be. Like, it's kind of hard to go to your boosters and used to win a bunch of games in in a bad league, the Big East. And now be like, all right, our new expectation is is six and six is a major success based on our geography, based on our inability to recruit, et cetera. But I still don't think that, like, he's he's meeting those, obviously. I think six and six is – I think that is the bare minimum – you think it should be a huge success? So I think six and six should be like okay. I mean, that's with the like, way they schedule their non-conference. They have Penn State and Pitt, <laughs> and, they, and they go play non-conference games. I meant leading up to this point. Yeah, they got their their AD's got to do uh, help them out a little bit better. Whoever's if it's Neil Brown or somebody else. West Virginia football should be in bowl games, and if you're not in a bowl game, then there you should be close, or there should be reasons for it. I think that West Virginia football has a has history, tradition, culture, all those things to the point where even if you've got the geographic disadvantage, you need to be you need to be in bowl games. Multiple years not in the postseason is not acceptable. Losing records is not acceptable. I think that's a fair if I think for a West Virginia fan, that's acceptable. That that is reasonable expectations. All right. Jimbo Fisher. That's too easy, right? I mean, he's like if he if he goes four and eight, oh, he's not going four and eight. If he goes six and six, how does uh, he's yeah, not Texas getting fired? Joy. They just can't, right? I mean, no, I think I, they I, I can. Think you go one the, more. You think they would? This is why I put Mel Tucker on the second list and Jimbo on the first. I, I, I think they can. You got Texas joining the league. Texas, I mean. When these odds to make the playoff come out, Texas is going to be pretty high up there. So they're pay- there. Somebody's or a few people are writing that check. Is what you're saying, or would they have? If he misses the bowl, yeah, I I, I think he'll be out. So even but if he goes six and six, you think he survives? Because I think he's gone at six and six. I think if it's sure. another seven and five, six and six kind of year, it's done. 
They're going to be mad. You're in. I, it also it also depends on how what happens. How does the offense look? Who are your seven wins? Who are your five losses? Like, what does well, it look like? Three of them would probably be New Mexico, Abilene Christian, and Louisiana Monroe. That's the thing is for me, it's the SEC yeah. record. If he goes out there and goes two and six or even three and five against conference opponents, losing record against conference opponents could be damning. The offense has gotten worse every single year he's been there. I, I think that's going to be a large part of this, obviously. Morgan in the chat points out that Crude's up 2% <laughs> today. Bad news for Chino <laughs> Fisher. That man needs to be betting against the oil markets. <laughs> we do not want Texas A&M's boosters to be able to liquidate quickly and move assets around to uh, to pay off a contract. That's uh, But uh, look, you bring in Bobby Petrino, right? You know, you've got uh, a situation where some of the offensive uh, talent should be in position to take a big step forward. Defensively, they've they've been rock solid. Like this, the actual product on paper right now should not go two and six or three and five in the SEC. Correct. Their win total seven and a half. God, that's, I mean, how is it not higher than that at this point? I mean, based on what you hired him to come in and do, to have the win total at seven and a half going into what is this, his fourth or fifth season? Wait, he, no, this is, this is, this might be year six. Is this six? Okay. So to have it at seven and a half going into year six, when you signed him to a 10 year deal, 75 million guaranteed. And that's another part of it too. Like, I think the buyout is low enough now where I don't think that's the problem. I think if Texas A&M has a problem, it's they've got to pay that buyout. But now when Jimbo signed that deal, it was like, oh my God, can you believe that kind of money? But now our coaching contracts are for Texas A&M to go get the next guy to replace them. They're going to have to pay that coach. I think that's where the problem comes in. But I just, I can't sit here and believe we're talking about this at this point. It's like, well, if, if he has a, if he goes 500 in the SEC, he should stick around. So that's what they hired him for to go. Four I mean, and put up and it's, it's pretty easy fodder and everybody starts to do it, but put up his record with Kevin Sumlin at the same time. Yeah. And it's, his he's falling behind he's lagging now right because yeah. the first couple of years was like oh well someone he had johnny manzel and you know he had but the longer you get this body of work going it does not look that much better and you know the a&m fans because I, I said this a lot early and they were like oh well the recruiting look at all the optimism and he's bringing all this you know infuse this life and we're still crushing it and the success is going to come at some point you know they're going to start expecting to get that i still think seven and five he survives but I think it's very much coming into next year. It's hot seat. Also, I think it, a lot of it depends on what happens with Petrino. Yeah, I, I thought it was that yes. that relationship. How does it unfold? What does it look like? Like, if he pulls back the reins and and takes back over the play calling midway through the season because it's not working, then I think all bets are off the table. Like, if this thing just is a disaster, <laughs> my goodness. So is is Petrino like a human shield? So that way, it's like if things don't work, we'd be like, "Well, you told me, guy, you told way. me to do this. This is what you yeah, guys I wanted." Your way. I brought him in. We're gonna fire him, and we're gonna go back. We're gonna give it one more crack with me running the show here. We're gonna go. You know, this year doesn't count. This is an, an incredible. There are like fifteen super super fascinating storylines throughout the entire country right now, and and Jimbo Fisher is like so. This one is so meaty. And it still might be like ninth if you were to try to power rank them. Um, this is going to be an amazing fall. Uh, also, let's if we want to talk about danger spots. Um, what if Texas A&M loses at Miami? I wish that meeting was later in the season, just so we could get like Jimbo and Mario at midfield and see how tired they both look. <laughs> <laughs> like they'll, probably, they'll still be too fresh early in the year. So yeah. For both of those programs, I think that's one of those big either momentum starters or momentum killers. Yes. And like huge for like what you could look forward to if you get that game. Now, it's just, it's going to be interesting. And Bud can speak to this too, but that's also like on the momentum on the recruiting trail because both of these are like recruiting monsters that are trying to sell like it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And like loot those early losses, oh, you're gonna start trending towards the wrong direction. And then you start to be like, oh, is 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 how long is he gonna be there? How long is he gonna be there? You're gonna be able to keep him on board, hold a recruiting class together. It's uh 
it's, it's a tricky one for uh, for Jimbo Fisher. So seven and a half is the win total right now. Yeah, I'm actually or eight and a half. There's they're 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 kind of juiced both ways. I I don't think he gets fired. I, I think they probably go somewhere in that range, and, and they'll 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 fire him after 2024. You know, but if it goes badly, I, I think they could pull the trigger. They beat LSU last year. It was mm-hmm. a weird year. They beat a LSU. Weird year. That's like they I lost think. to that zombie Auburn team. Yeah. Right. They, they also were lost really sick to against Ole UF. Ole Miss. Yeah, they lost to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They lost at home to, to UF, but they were. I think they were pretty sick, and like they had a lot of guys out with with some kind of flu, um, flu, some kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's why I think they kind of like. I mean, they, they luck boxed a, a win against road. Arkansas. Remember the Katie Jefferson reach over the goal line and and the ball comes out and it's yes. 99 yard 99 return. The other way. Like, Chase Bryce beat him though. It's true. <laughs> if they, Fair and square. There's a really dangerous stretch here. It's a four week stretch, and if if this goes badly, I I think you could see like a mid season firing. Right, Auburn, Arkansas neutral, Bama, and then at Tennessee. Oh man! All back to back. Like that's rough. That's how Jimbo ends up as the West Virginia head coach for the 2024 season. Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Almost beat Bama when Bama didn't have Bryce. That's, that's why we just started it right there. Those two tying yeah. in together. Like, we're already puppet master. Listen, here we go. This is it, – it's scripted, right? Where's Paul? Yeah, everything's scripted. Um, all right, so speaking of West Virginia, for, and former West Virginia head coaches, let's, say, let's do one more before the break. Current Big Twelve return to the Big Twelve for Dana Holgerson as the head coach of Houston, and we mentioned that win total on the air, I believe, last show. That's at like four, right? Four, four and, four and a half. half. I throw, I throw that one in the Neil Brown category. I don't know where the, I don't know where the answers are right there. They'll have Donovan Smith, the former Texas Tech quarterback, uh, likely as the Cougars' starting quarterback. They've lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball from the last couple of years. Remember, this was a a 10-win team just a couple of years ago, and it has been really, really disappointing uh, with their performance last season. Any any light there? Are we just going to go ahead and imagine that uh, Garrett Riley, just going and puppet master this all the way to have Garrett Riley as the Houston head coach for 2024? What was the quote from Tillman Fertitta a couple of years ago when they – when they hired Dana, it was like we're not paying him to go eight and five, seven and five. Yeah, we, we're not. We're not. Paying and the Houston president said we fire people for nine wins. Remember? When, yeah. When Applewhite was there, and Dana's won nine games in one of his four seasons. Yeah, I would say he's under pressure. Somebody has to win some games in the bottom of that league, right? Uh, maybe it's them. Maybe it's not. What, what number keeps him safe? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, shout out to Don in the chat. The Thunderdome game is October 12th. Uh, West Virginia and Houston. Two coaches enter, only one leaves. Lose your own home match. Yeah, that's very much a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I think any pass because of the jump in leagues, like, yeah, I I see a yes and I see a no. I think so. I, I think if they if they go bowling in their first year in the Big Twelve, I think he's fine. Oh. Like if, if they go six and six, if they go four and eight, three and nine, I don't know how much of a pass he's going to get. Plus, you could totally see, and it might be one of those deals where you've got something worked out ahead of time. If you know you can get Garrett Riley, and you've got it lined up, and few like it'll help. And then guess what? Next year, Oklahoma, Texas, gone out of the conference becomes much more competitive. You know, I. That's where I think a lot depends on kind of what's what Jimmy Sexton has cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The um, six and six might not do it, even with the jump, in my opinion, just because it, it would likely be a continuation of the trends, right? You just, you notice that the, the insides just don't look good, right? From a personnel standpoint, just from the, the way that things are going, the way that that team performs sometimes in close games, it can, uh, it can be a little befuddling. From time, to, yeah, yeah, but over under on coaching changes in the state of Texas this offseason. <laughs> so we just saw. Let me, let me go reverse. We just saw North Texas and UT. Uh, North Texas and um, who else? Texas State. Texas, Texas State. State. So UTEP, think, Dana Demel, Rice. When, when you UTSA say coaching could be a promotion changes. candidate. 
When you say coaching changes, do you mean firings or are we going to count coaches who might leave for bigger jobs? I say we count coaches who might leave for bigger jobs. So trailer. On, trailer. On alert. Right, so not, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of mm -hmm. sneaky. Um, Jimbo. Jimbo. Dana. Dana. Maybe two is a bad number. Maybe it should be two and a half. Yeah, over. O over. Over when we consider Because also, I mean, you're Jeff Trailer, and you do... Rice. You think Bloomgren would be out? I, I don't think Rice is like the kind of place that the seed is, you know, boiling on him at any point, but you never know. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, well done. <laughs> but I do think that, yeah, I, I mean, it's been a few years and they haven't really kind of taken the step forward at any point. So that it, it could be a reset. I don't expect it to, but I don't think I wouldn't put him under pressure, but I would say there's some pressure there. Coming up on the other side, got a couple more coaches who could very much be on the hot seat and. Some big names from Power 5 programs that are really, really need to win in order to establish some momentum. We'll get into that and more next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But a couple more names that you had on your, uh, you know, very high pressure list: Jeff Halfley at Boston College, Tom Allen in Indiana, Ryan Silverfield at Memphis. If you were to rank those one, two, three, what would you say the uh, the pressure or the hot seat sort of levels are? Probably Halfley first, I would guess. Allen pretty high up there. Their win total is three and a half. So um, Indiana is one of those teams where if you take out the COVID year. Everything else looks pretty bad. Uh, Silverfield, a really bad AAC this year, I think. I mean, like, yeah, I, I think the AAC could be worse than the Sun Belt. So uh, if you don't make some noise there at Memphis this year, when will you? And then you think Halfley's probably okay? Or do you think that what's the what? No, I think you probably need to make a bowl, right? I, I would think. I mean, it's Boston College. Like, they're generally a team that can make bowls. I mean, they just eventually you know like like I mean vibes and stuff like you get that injured all the time. It's like I mean they the one year that they lost what all the quarterbacks and next year they lose all the line. D they're playing D lineman on offensive line in like week seven they lose to UConn. I think so Tom Allen's seat is hotter than Halfley's. I think you know, Allen's is hotter than Halfley's so too. too. I think it has to do with does Indiana program. care about about football like to that level to where they like he's a pretty good vibes guy. I remember the whole love everybody thing. Yeah, um, but. They've also got a lot of money, a yeah. lot more money than BC does. And you look around at the Big Ten right now, like, you know, the other pro, like the rest of the conference, even the bottom teams are kind of making those moves. Like, I think honestly, we could see, we haven't talked, to, I, th I think we could see quite a bit of turnover in the Big Ten this year. Like, I think Indy, I think Tom Allen's in some trouble. I think Mel Tucker could be in trouble. I think Greg Schiano could be in trouble. Like, this new TV deal is probably going to spur some action with some uh, athletic directors who are now looking at themselves flush with a little extra cash. We think Rutgers could be better than Schiano? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> really? I mean, I, 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 I mean, that's the thing. Like, Schiano comes in, 
and it's Rutgers. So, you know, you're like, well, we got to give him some time. And it's Chiano. He's had success there. What has Rutgers improved at in his season since taking over? They've actually kind of gone the other direction. Effort. They're better. I mean, like they're they're legitimately. They're not winning more games though. Yeah. No, but I mean, they will. If you put them in in the Big Ten West, they they, they'd be going bowling. Pretty free. I know they won't. They keep losing to the Big Ten West, bud. They're the team that everybody in the Big Ten West looks and hopes they get from the East. They could play some closer games though, as opposed to like like the blowouts that they get when when they play like the the truly good teams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, they would lose closer, but they'd still be losing. Like, I mean, they're losing to Maryland. They're losing to Indiana. They're losing to Michigan State. It's not just the top of the division that's kicking their butt. It's they, They're in, what, going into year five, and they don't have a quarterback yet. It's like you should probably have a QB at this point. It doesn't have to be great, but you should at least have someone who you feel comfortable with as a starter in a power five, and I don't think they have that. Who are so, the quarterbacks in the Big Ten West? Like, I mean, they, they play Big Ten West style. They're just stuck in the East. There's no good quarterbacks in the West. Okay, who who are Rutgers quarterbacks? They, you know they keep him trying to play Gavin Wimsett. Yeah, G- Gavin Wimsett for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know the other kid. Wimsett's spring game numbers weren't great. Mm-hmm. Cade McNamara, Luke Altmeyer. I don't know who's replaced. Oh, Hudson Card. Yeah, I think the Big Ten West has better quarterbacks than Rutgers does. Just my just my belief. I mean. Tanner Mordecai. I mean, it's yeah, they got better. <laughs> Not he, prior years. He took over a program that was in like competitively non, like non-competitive, and we gave him flowers for the play hard part at the beginning. But I agree with Tom. We're too deep into this, and Rutgers has not gotten better. I don't think Rutgers is a team that can make bowl games unless they schedule themselves three non-conference layups. Like well, expecting them to win four games in the Big Ten is not realistic under the current divisional structure. Thankfully, the Big Ten for Rutgers is going to get rid of the Power Five requirement for non-conference, so maybe they'll have a better shot of doing that in the future. And really disappointing for uh, whatever Big Twelve, ACC, or Pac twelve school was looking for that Rutgers non-conference game to satisfy <laughs> their own Power Five requirement <laughs> to be able to get that uh, that extra win on there. Sometimes you got you got to fire a guy though, just a lot of your boosters, and tell him like we really believe in the bones of this place. This place can be better to keep donating, right? Like it, it's not a good pitch to your boosters to be honest and say the money we we got we we got it because we got the Big Ten check. We're we're not a, a program that can win in this league, right? So be happy with going four and eight. I also like, think that that it, works against Chiano is like when Rutgers joined the Big Ten, its basketball program was awful too. And it was just getting dog walked by everybody in the Big Ten. But guess what? Their basketball program's kind of good. So they made the right hire there. So they're seeing improvement in there. And now they're going to be looking over at the football team and be like, well, what the hell's wrong with you? Now, obviously, we all know it's different. It's easier to, to improve your program basketball and football. But I think that adds on more pressure too. Mm. All right. Um, Billy Napier. Ooh, year two. Win, win total. Five and a half? Is that what it's like in these markets? Yeah. It's hot. Ugh. Danny, where's the answer? What's what's gonna happen here? How's he do it? What's the blueprint? I don't know if there is one. I it's it's all it's I mean, maybe the defense steps it up and the defense, what we saw in the spring game could be better. I don't I don't what did they get rid of? Because I, I think I think it was a mistake to get rid of Dan Mullen. I thought he was the perfect fit for the Gators. I really do. Personality, what he brought to the table, the wins, you know, the attitude even of, hey, we, you know, we're not going to show up in a bowl game. We only play for championships. You know, like I, it all fits perfectly with the Florida Gator mentality. If they could have just waited till NIL got here and taken a little bit of that load off recruiting, I think it would have been perfect. That being said. I mean, another if it's five and seven, he's done, right? I don't think they're going to fire him if he misses a bowl because who's doing the firing? Scott Strickland. And if if, if Strickland has to do the fire, that's like two bad hires in a row and three firings he had to make. They're not exactly killing it in basketball. So I, I think he gets time. I had him on, in the middle category, which is like you need to have a decent year in order to keep or establish recruiting momentum. And like right now, they're they're working on the top ten class that would be back to back solid classes for them. Certainly a step up for Mullins recruiting. 
which Napier, I'm sure, would point to and be like, I'm in this mess because Dan Mullen didn't give a damn about recruiting. Uh, and and like the recruiting he did was not befitting a program like the Gators. I think wasn't he top you, ten though, like right around there? The one year, but kind of took a bunch of guys that were kind of like <clears throat> just to boost the class. I think not like not expected to, to qualify for school that late in the game. That's why they were available. Uh, I I think you got to at least make a bowl game if you want to keep recruiting well. That's pretty good. <laughs> who, who else is who else is in this section that stands out to you? Venables and Cristobal. I mean, Oklahoma's going to the SEC. We all expect them to play pretty darn well this year, but if Venables drops to seven and five, his seat is scorching hot in 2024 as they enter the league. Like they're not going to fire him, but that will hurt recruiting. And then you go to the SEC the next year. I think it'll go. I think that Oklahoma can be. A nine-win team. Yeah, I agree. Their win yeah. totals was it nine and a half or eight? It's it's high. A lot of these Big Twelve teams are not very good this year. I don't think. So that would be a good thing for Oklahoma, obviously. Yeah, right. They they need to capitalize. You have the best or second best quarterback in the league. Um, you know, you should be able to get in there. You had all of those close losses. You hope that some of them flip the other way. Um, you take some improvement on defense. You can very quickly be flip this from six and six regular season to nine and three. That's something that seems attainable. I, whereas I was a little bit gloomy on the outlook of some of these other coaches that we've talked about. I feel like Brent Venables is, I agree under pressure, but I'm less concerned about the long-term future there. I think that he can deliver in 2023. Nine and a half good. is the total. And he's got mm-hmm. an ace in the hole and Jackson Arnold, the, you know, the quarterback in the Great wings call. waiting mm-hmm. Mario. Don't you think Mario the whole, my, I think he gets another year almost regardless. Oh yeah, this is just purely yes. to, to keep recruiting up. Like I, I think yeah. he's going to get a ton of time at Miami. Yeah, being but a like, guy that is under pressure. You are under pressure to put wins on the field in order to keep this thing from backsliding. Mm-hmm. Well, they missed a bowl last year and looked incompetent. So, yeah, I think they are under pressure to get enough wins to where they can recruit well. Mario's the thing he does is recruit. Nobody's like I'm going to hire Mario Cristobal for his in-game coaching. Right. Like that's not that's not a thing. So if they were to have a bad season, I don't think they will. If they were, then that could hurt recruiting enough to where it's like, what what would you say you do here? Right. What is it you said you would say that you do here? <laughs> yes. What about Sark? That. You had him on this list. I think Sark absolutely has pressure. Same mm-hmm. thing as Venables. Like he hasn't cashed all these wins that were given him yet in the offseason. I think they will, but like, what what if Texas goes eight and four? God, against huge league where there is like, if you saw a Texas Tech pull a TCU this year and come out and like you know win win the or Kansas State again, I mean just one of these programs that's not Oklahoma or Texas, if one of them come out of the woodwork and win the Big Twelve and Texas doesn't, that to me is devastating. Like this is the year where it has to be Texas. Or anybody else. Like it's all the stars are aligned for them to step up this year. That's where like all the mid-tier SEC teams are so fired up because <laughs> now they're not going to get jumped in line. Right. Because Texas and Oklahoma are going to come in on shaky ground and they're going to fall into that second quadrant, even though they've got the big brand name and they come with a money valuation that's going to drive up the dollars. And they are not ready to come in and start winning double digit games if if that were to happen. For the record, Texas is going to be in the playoff. Texas is back, as we all know. That's right. It's so scary that, like, you do your numbers on the Big 12. It's like, damn it. The value is on betting Texas. <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, do I really trust this? Like, oh, this is brutal. They're like, fine. You slide your money across the counter. And, like, like you, you don't feel good about it at all. <laughs> Their win total is the same as Oklahoma's, nine and a half. I yeah, like Texas because kind of they play Alabama. Like mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. If we well, did conference win totals, it would be like 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.7 higher, I think. Texas is in the playoff. Florida State's in the playoff. USC is in the playoff. Georgia's in the playoff. There's a school that didn't include in that list who won't be in the playoff, who also is not on this list, but I think their coach should be or not. I, I, let me rephrase that. I do not think he should be. I think he will be, and he already is, 
Ryan Day at Ohio State has lost to Ohio State the last two years, has not won the Big Ten either the last two years, though he has been to the playoff in three of his four years. But if they lose to Michigan again, and I think if that's possible, I mean, I don't know, he is going to be in trouble. And I think that is a certain kind of pressure for Ryan Day where it's like, I can't just do, you know, winning games is great, getting to the playoff is great, but if I'm losing to Michigan and not winning the Big Ten, that's pressure. I'm so there. Ryan Day is under pressure. Ryan Day is walking in with a roster that is top three in the country and maybe top two in the country. And he is dealing with the losing streak to Michigan that you mentioned. And he has a changeover at the quarterback position. Like Kyle McCord Mm -hmm. needs to be that guy because everyone believes that everything else is just going to fall right into place. He's going to step right in. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns. And Ohio state's going to go 11 and one or 12 and zero and make it to the college football playoff. But Michigan is too good. You know, talk about another coach that's like under pressure, but not hot seat pressure. The 2024 was James Franklin's year. We've been mm-hmm. talking about that for three years. Penn state is supposed to be peaking. Michigan is locked and loaded it is not crazy to think that Ohio State could go 10 and 2 with losses to Michigan and Penn State, but if Ohio State goes 10 and 2 with losses to Michigan and Penn State, Ryan Day is feeling the heat from Ohio State fans. What are you going to do? Fire him? I mean, it's, it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. If you're going to put him on this, maybe, maybe you have a, another column where it's like, all right, needs to start doing better in the very very few specific big games to where he doesn't get fired in 25 or something. But like pressure requires people with passion. Like, and that's what Ohio state has more than anybody is nuts. Like (laughs) they have nuts who are not reasonable or rational about their love for Ohio state and Ohio state football and all of the good, like, you know, cold calculating analysis of the Ryan Day era is that he's been phenomenal and absolutely delivered on expectations, but that doesn't do anything for the emotions of these people. Like, what are they going to do? Fire him? I don't know, but we're just talking about pressure and he will feel pressure and he might not like that pressure. That maybe sure, he has him. Himself. Yeah, I mean, like, fine, forget you guys. I'm going to the NFL. Like, there's there are ways that this thing could end up changing uh, that don't necessarily require Gene Smith issuing a dismissal or a firing uh, of Ryan Day. Which he might... Literally named or not, Buckeye. (laughs) Which he might have been feeling if they didn't have that game against Georgia in the semis. Mm -hmm. You know, like if they don't don't showcase that ability, like it made C.J. Stroud a ton of money that game alone. I think it also bought Ryan Day some leeway this offseason. Because if he doesn't have that performance, I mean, they... they, I mean, you can make a case they could have beat him. You know, but you can make it a hundred. Like there are a thousand cases. <laughs> They're all written by Ohio State fans and dissertations that have been sent to every media member through and through. Like Ohio State played well enough to win that game and have a shot mm-hmm. at the national championship. See, uh, Patrick, he was the line of, in our chat. Replace day with Heartline. I also think that's an internal pressure that could be real. What? From, oh, absolutely. From the fan base, they love Brian Hartline. He played there. He's one of their own. He's crushed it in recruiting. I think that's a very unique internal pressure that he could see, that Ryan Day could see and feel. You don't think so? Oh, I agree. I mean, look, for, for every, if he starts for every getting flirted, he was up for the Cincinnati job. If you could lose him potentially to another job, I think that's a real pressure that you could see emerge. If you lose him another job and he proves to actually be good at the head coaching thing, which we have no idea if he'd be. You're Ohio State. Just go get him back. He's not going <laughs> to get many, like Alabama or How many games did Ryan Day have as a head coach before Ohio State hired him again? At least he's been he like a really successful coordinator, coordinator right? <laughs> well, what if Brian Hartline's a really successful coordinator? What if the offense well, is very good and he's a great recruiter? Yeah, but if you're Ohio State, you're going to know who's actually running the offense. I think well, we if just Ryan are, Day's running the offense and you lose. Isn't that another reason to fire him? Now they would they didn't fire Brian Kelly, but Notre Dame just made the similar decision with Marcus Freeman, where they're like, "Well, we mm-hmm. think we've got our guy. He hasn't proven a- absolutely anything, but you know, we need to hire a new head coach, and we think we got him right here." I, I don't. Again, if if Ryan Day were to go to the NFL, 
I think Brian, Brian Harlan's Harlan's his job. Promoted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance. I, I do. I don't know if it would be a guarantee, but I think he'd definitely be the favorite. But again, I, I want to make it clear because I have mentioned this on this show before, and I have seen my name pop up on Ohio State message boards as if I'm saying Ryan Day should be fired if they don't beat Michigan. I do not think that should be the case. I'm saying it will be the case. He will be on the hot seat. He has more pressure on him than any coach who has gone 45 and six in the history of college football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, 45 and six and had more pressure to succeed at the highest level than Ryan day. And it's a reflection of how dumb this sport has become because of the playoff. Yes. Ah, uh, the sport's always been dumb. No, but I mean, it's taken it to a different. No, yeah, great. But it's been dumb in fun ways. Now it's becoming dumb and just like, well, he needs to be fired because he hasn't won a national title in two years. Deion Sanders have pressure on him? No. No, I, I think he does. If well, every like, coach has pressure on him, but what? Like he has, I'm going to lose my job pressure on him? No, but I, I think he has pressure to show big time improvement because they're not trying to do the slow rebuild. They're not like, hey, like the next recruiting class I'm going to bring in is going to be big time. They, they took what, 60 transfers. That's your rebuild right there. Like a lot of those guys, unless, unless they get graduate transfer status coming up, they're stuck on your roster. So there's pressure to have hit and, and to make sure that Louie is actually Louie. If it's a bunch of Samsonite, there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure. But if if it doesn't like they go four and eight in year one with all these transfers, is it not easy just to say, well, yeah, we had a whole bunch of transfers, needed a year to get to figure out and gel, we'll be fine next year. Like it's not it's not hard for him to get out of that pressure. Assuming, I don't think well, it's yeah, real. assuming they're better next year. Like he's not going to get fired, but I, I do think that the the way that they did the rebuild does put pressure on him to win immediately. Huh. Also, from a media I, standpoint, like look, look at their schedule. If they start getting boat raced, Dion's incredibly good at staying in the media and staying in the news. But there was kind of a fascination with what he was doing at Jackson State because they had such a big talent advantage and are winning all the time, right? Like, how many people are watching YouTube videos if they go three and nine or four and eight? Or want him know. to come sit on the desk at like, you know, college game day or like come and be like, do a bunch of appearances. You want to talk about your two and 10 team? See, I, gets, I think he gets a hall pass. I think this year he gets a hall pass. Yeah, you know, he's really under more do. pressure at Colorado, Rick George. He's under more pressure because what's Deion's his fourth coach? Uh, Rick George is under a tremendous amount of pressure. Mm-hmm. He has hitched his uh, administrative career probably to this decision. Deion They're all in not- on making this work too. I yeah. mean, like the, the way they let him to take transfers, as opposed to like they did not let Carl Durrell's staff take transfers. So like they've gotta- they've altered administrative rules inside that like that's just what admissions will accept. They're all in. Like this has to work there for Rick George. You guys realize I I didn't like I see this in a lot of football ba- fan bases. Colorado's fan base is pretty delusional right now about what could happen in year one. We all realize this, right? Oh, yeah, the win, the win total's three, by the way. I know. But like, I talked to a, an Let insider. I'll just say I want to leave it very vague. But he said seven wins. Seven wins next year to start it off. I mean, Joel Klatt has Joel, said. Joel, Joel, Joel. Was, it, it, was, was it Joel? Joel? I think going to win seven games. <laughs> more optimistic saying seven wins. See, I, 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 I think you lose some of the momentum, but it's almost like Texas – because I, I do think, like, Texas after year one with Sark was brutal, right? Five and seven. But then they got Arch Manning. And, like, I think that's what that's the what you would see happen with Dion is he'd hit it right back. We need better players. He'd go back, steal another couple from Florida State, you know, go out and sign whoever he could. And I think he would bring it. I think I don't I don't I think he gets a pass this year. He just doesn't have a soft opening. He's a restaurant that doesn't get a chance to, like, you know, see how things are going before the reviewers come. We're going to be there week one. It's week two, week three, week four. Like we are just, we are going to go viral. But he did apart. it to himself yeah. with, with, with this style of roster rebuild. Like you bring the pressure upon yourself if you use all these these transfers that you're going to possibly take over a couple of years on 60 new guys because you're stuck with them. Like you can't transfer again unless you're a graduate transfer. What's going to go viral? Dion losing it on his team in week nine or 10. Oof. Yeah, because I do think he's an old school guy, you know, and I could see him telling guys to pack it in and saying, "Well, we'll get sixty more in here next year." You know, if you're not buying in, if you're not giving me the effort, we're going to look for more. He's going mm. to go full Saban on him. He's going to slam the headset in the hat. 
Yeah. Ah! Nick Saban have pressure on him? <laughs> Nick Saban <laughs> puts who? pressure on himself, Chip. Yeah, right, yeah there's the answer. All right, Greeny. It, 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 <laughs> I'm telling you, the air in Tuscaloosa makes it very tough to be a head coach. <laughs> 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 All right, we will be back on Wednesday with the CBS Sports Coach Rankings. We'll also have some of our opinions from our ballots, but this is a consensus ranking uh, at cbssports.com that you will be able to see. It is all of the Power 5 coaches. Very interesting how all of that has changed. And you can follow him on they Twitter at You can follow him at Buddy 3 You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Tom, thank you very much. You're welcome, Chip. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.